0: We are if you remember I pointed out what slide we were on number 4 Good for you Mike Okay Yeah it's been a few weeks Let's begin with prayer Thank you dear Lord for your word that shows us the gospel our hope the forgiveness of sins and what you have required of us as we serve you obediently. Give us grace to do so. In the name of your son, Jesus Christ, amen. amen. Okay, back in Acts chapter 5, we already did this slide. Let me use this as a quick transition. Acts five nineteen and 20, which would be slide 3. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the gates of the prison and taking them out, he said, Go stand and speak to the people in the temple the whole message of this life. Now, several weeks ago, last time I taught Sunday school, we pointed out that in Luke Acts, angels have a prominent role. Especially at the beginning of Luke, in Luke 1, angelic messengers came and announced the coming of messianic salvation. Here we have an angel telling the apostles to go preach, quote, the whole message of this life. It strikes me how many synonyms there are in Acts for the gospel. The word of this life here, the message of this life, the gospel of grace, the word of the grace of God. Throughout the Bible, we have just preached Christ. That means the gospel. And so take note that there aren't multiple gospels. There are multiple ways of describing the one true gospel. So the whole message of this life would be the gospel. So then in verses 21 through 23, let me read those to you. It says, Upon hearing this, they entered into the temple about daybreak and began to teach. Now when the high priest and his associates came, they called the council together, even all the senate of the sons of Israel, and sent orders to the prison house for them to be brought. But the officers who came did not find them in the prison, and they returned and reported back, saying, We found the prison house locked quite securely, and the guards standing at the doors, but when we had opened up, found no one inside. So these apostles, obey the angels message and begin to preach and teach the gospel. They've been commanded by the Sanhedrin not to speak in the name of Jesus. One of the lessons we learn from Acts is that no matter how much opposition we get, no matter how the gospel is resisted, we as God's people must preach the gospel we cannot let anybody stop us we cannot be silenced the gospel must be preached and i think that we need to have a very high appreciation for the power of the gospel to save the lost and if we can get intimidated Away from preaching the gospel, that would be very bad. We can't do that. And no matter what happens, the gospel must be preached. We cannot compromise. So there's no obvious reason to the Sanhedrin why they are miss- missing. But there's an irony here, as I say on my slide. We have irony as God is in control not the rulers of Israel. They think they're in control, but they're not. God is. Go to slide five. So it says in verse 24, Now when the captain of the guard and the chief priests heard these words, they were greatly perplexed about them as to what would come of this. But when someone came and reported to them The man whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. Then the captain went along with the officers and proceeded to bring them back without violence, for they are afraid of the people that they might be stoned. Here's an interesting irony. The Jewish leadership would want the apostles stoned. They didn't dare do it. They had to fear they themselves would be the ones stoned. So I love the way Luke uses irony. We want to stone the apostles, but we don't dare because they're popular with the people, and we're afraid the people might stone us. When they had brought them, they stood them before the council. The high priest questioned them, saying, We gave you strict orders, not to continue teaching in this name. And yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. Okay? They said, we told you not to do this. Remember, all the way back to the healing of the lame man. They said, okay, don't teach in the name of Jesus. They don't care how many people are healed. They don't want to pay attention to the fact that God is working on behalf of the apostles. They just want to silence the gospel that's more important to them than anything else. And they're worried about blood guiltiness. You intend to bring this man's blood upon us. Mike Kaufman. Look up Matthew and 20, 25.
1: They, wanted, uh, they said that was going to be okay with them, didn't they? Yeah, is that I-, I. There's
0: more irony here. Twenty seven twenty five.
1: Okay, uh, Matthew twenty seven twenty five.
0: Twenty. Start with twenty. Tw-
1: twenty seven twenty. Yeah. All right. The chief priests and the elders, however, persuaded the crowds to ask for Barabbas and to execute Jesus. The governor asked them, Which of the two do you want me to release for you? Barabbas, they answered. Pilate asked them, What should I do then with Jesus, who is called Messiah? They all answered, Crucify him. Then he said, Why? What has he done wrong? Thank you. But they kept shouting, Crucify him all the more. When Pilate saw that he was getting nowhere, but that a riot was starting instead, He took some water, washed his hands in front of the crowd, and said, I am innocent of this man's blood. See to it yourself. All the people answered, His blood be on us and on our children. Then he released Barabbas to them. But after having Jesus flogged, he handed him over to be crucified.
0: Yeah. So they know he's innocent. He said, I don't want his blood, meaning blood guiltiness, the guilt for somebody's death. And they said, "That's okay. We'll take it." You intend to bring this man's blood upon us. It's something they had already expressed willingness to take. Brian,
2: here's some irony for you. This is the first time that the that they were brought before that, that they were brought before the high priest. There's no mention that. They got out of jail, and the locks were on the door. They didn't talk about anything about that. All they care about is what's
0: coming out of their mouths. Exactly. They've already ignored the evidence for the resurrection of Christ. See, they won't listen to any evidence or angelic intervention. Uh, Yes? I might be thinking outside of the box, but if... If Jesus came to be the
1: sacrificial lamb, how do you put the guilt of his blood on the priests?
0: Well, because of God's providential work, uh, Peter explained that in Acts 2:23. Dan, could you look that up for us? Acts 2:23. Good question. I'm glad there's an answer for it.
3: Okay, Uh, Acts 2.23. This man, delivered over by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God, you nailed to a cross by the hands of godless men and put him to death.
0: So here you have two things. God's eternal plan that Jesus would die for sins and the guiltiness of those who crucified him. Both things are true they're not exonerated because God used their evil deed for a greater good. Yes, Paul.
4: I don't know if I mis- misunderstand this or if I understand it, but nonetheless this reminds me very much of what I believe it was Felix said that you intend to make me a Christian very soon and they're kind of it's kind of saying the same thing. You almost persuade me to be a Christian. Exactly.
0: Well, you have this interaction going on throughout Acts between the obstinacy and guilt of the Jewish leadership and the plan and purpose of God behind the scenes. And uh, so these both all these things are going on at the same time. God is providentially in charge of history. And his purpose is going forward. And the people who do moral evil, are guilty. The people who obey God and preach the gospel are commended, and in the end, God does his will through the interaction of both things. Nothing's outside of God's control. Dan, could you read Psalm 51, 14, 51.14
3: Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, the God of my salvation. Then my tongue will be, then my tongue will joyfully sing of your righteousness.
0: Yes, I wanted to illustrate the idea of blood guilt in the Bible, in the Old Testament. That was David. Why was David suffering under blood guiltiness? Does anybody know? Uriah? Anybody say Uriah? Uriah the Hittite? He had him purposely killed so that he could have Bathsheba for himself. Uriah is portrayed as a godly and righteous man who was loyal to David. He was a foreigner. David did wickedly. He wanted Bathsheba so badly that he took this loyal soldier and told the captain of the army to go out into battle and withdraw and leave Uriah out there to die. And when Nathan, the prophet, confronted David, remember that story? He ended up telling this parable, and David said, whoever did that should die. Nathan says, thou art the man. Can you imagine David shaking in his boots? So when he says, deliver me from blood guiltiness, that's what's going on, okay? So, Psalm 51, 14. Can God deliver someone from blood guiltiness? Yes, amen. Can he forgive our sins? Yes. See, I think that the whole David... And Uriah narrative proves the inspiration of the scriptures. David was one of the great characters in the Old Testament. And if the Old Testament scriptures were the invention of Israel or the Jews. Why would they portray their own king as a wicked man. And a foreigner as a righteous man. There's no motive to do that other than that's what really happened. The same thing as Eric was saying in Mark. Why were the men a bunch of cowards and the women witnessed the resurrection? Because it really happened. If you look at some of the scriptures written by pagan religions about the same time as David, they all... Turn the king into some kind of great hero. Yes.
2: Before David repented, I believe that the text says that he was physically ill. And there was other things that happened due to him carrying that guilt. And well, he, he lost a son, too. Yeah, yeah he lost a son, but there was other physical ailments that he started to develop a uh, physically due to his, uh, the period of time that that happened and his unrepentantness. So
0: Psalm 51 is a psalm of repentance. Okay? So these guys, they want to do the evil deed, but they don't want the guiltiness for it. They're trying to evade the guilt. But Peter and the apostles answered... We must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you had put to death by hanging him on a cross. When they say must, I have it highlighted in purple. The word is day. Eric has talked about that. Divine necessity. The divine necessity is caused by God's purpose. Brian. Read Galatians 3:13 and 14. Steve, do you have a Bible in that little electronic thing? Deuteronomy 21:23. Galatians
2: 3:13. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, in order th- in order that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we would
0: receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Amen. That was one of the stumbling blocks for the Jews when they heard the gospel. How can our Messiah be hung on a tree and thus be cursed?
1: Deuteronomy twenty-one twenty-three: His
0: corpse shall not hang all night on the tree, but you shall surely bury him on the same day, for he who is hanged on a tree is accursed of God. He who he was hanged is accursed of God, so that you will do not defile your land which the Lord your God gives you as an inheritance. Right. So how could the the Holy One of Israel, the promised Messiah, be hung on a tree and be cursed? Justin Martyr's dialogue with Trifo, a Jew, Trifo brings that issue up. We can't believe in a cursed Messiah. But Paul preached that he bore the curse for us. Now, it's interesting to show the Old Testament allusion. In Acts 5.30, the term cross is zulon. Do you know what that means? Wood. It means literally wood. But if you look up the Septuagint, Of Deuteronomy 21, 23, the word tree is zulon, wood. It's zulon. So there's an allusion to that passage. Jesus bore the curse for us so that we might receive the blessing of God. Substitution. Then they preached, oh, yes, Beth. Okay.
5: Um, Do we use these verses, Bob, today for, um, you know, like the bakers, the photographers uh, who are coming up against uh, the homosexuals that are charging them and suing them for not serving wedding cakes or taking wedding pictures? Do we...
0: uh, Well, I think we can take comfort... And that we're standing for the truth of the Bible. I saw a thing on the news. About a couple. Out on the West Coast. Who didn't want to make a cake for a homosexual wedding. And they were fined $130,000. That's the intent. Is to put them out of business. The amount of vitriol and hatred against Christians is unbelievable. And they will purposely set up situations knowing that we're going to obey God rather than men. There's another
2: homosexual baker that just came out in the news where he was blogging that he's in agreement with the Christian uh, uh, bakers that there's plenty of other bakers around that would <laughs> be perfectly happy to take their money and, and, uh, and, and move on. And now all of the act- homosexual activists are uh, piling on this poor guy. So it, it's not a matter of that, but it's a matter of they want everybody to agree and support their beliefs. Like uh, Eric's
0: going to be teaching us in Romans. Are you going to teach us in Romans? Oh, good. I know he will. Yeah, after Beth, bring it over to Eric.
5: Even governors who are trying to protect Christians legally have then been opposed, and they've had to back down. Now, that's pretty important, isn't it, for governors or even for future presidents uh, as to what uh, kind of precedent is set for them?
0: I don't know. Honestly, they're going to have to, if they're Christian, they're going to have to decide what they're going to do. We can restrain evil. They don't have to back down. They choose to
4: back down. See, I was going to just mention back in the wood concept that you were bringing up, Bob. um, In Genesis 22, 6, it says, And Abraham took the wood
0: of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac. And so Isaac went up the hill, the very Mount Moriah, where Jesus ends up bearing the wood for us some 1800 years earlier Isaac goes up with the wood on his back and so remember they had traveled for three days so for three days you know Isaac had been dead in the mind of his of his father because God had told him to sacrifice him and so that wood the whole idea ties into this foreshadowing of the bearing of the wood by Christ as well so that's Genesis 22 there's a word for cross but here it's wood Zulon probably that's a good catch that uh, that narrative also mentions wood. Notice here, to grant repentance to Israel. An interesting book, or two-volume series of books, by Tannehill, has helped me with Luke-Acts since I first read them in the 90s. And... Uh, One of the things Tannehill points out that according to Luke Acts, there's always hope for Israel's restoration. The apostles preached in such a way to show there's hope for Israel. And there may be yet a future repentance of Israel. Now Tannehill's not a premillennialist, he's just telling us what it says. Apostolic preaching of the gospel is the means the Holy Spirit uses to witness to the truth. The more I study the Bible, the more years I have in ministry, the more I'm convinced that nothing is more important than gospel preaching. That's why we're here. That's why these apostles got out of jail. The angel said, Go witness the whole message of this life. So they did. Jesus commissioned them to preach repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And and dear saints, nothing is more important. If we're called before dignitaries or governors or religious leaders, we can be certain that we're there because God sent us preach the gospel I believe that and I've practiced it for at least 20 years Psalm 110 and verse 1 is about Jesus being at the right hand of God it says the Lord says to my Lord sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet as alluded to or quoted, more often than any other passage in the Old Testament. That is in the New. Let's go to the next PowerPoint. Any questions about this one? What do we take away from it? No matter what, they preach the gospel. Nothing can stop them. In fact, even the next couple, there it is, the G- Gamiel, somebody will have to tell me how to pronounce that. Gamaliel, his narrative was, hey, if it's from God, we won't be able to stop it. Implication is it is. Then uh, the appointment of deacons, so the apostles can focus on the word, preaching the gospel. And then Stephen doing that, even at the threat of his life, and being actually stoned for it, tells us how important the gospel is. Bring the mic over to Paul.
4: Well, we've got a second or so here. I just wanted to, I couldn't help but go back to Matthew, the uh, 10th chapter and the 38th 38th verse. Uh, We were talking about the cross and it being wood and so on and so forth. And it says, whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. First of all, how are we going to be worthy of him, but by him, first of all? So we will really never be worthy of them. So um, I'm thinking to myself, um, if we take up our cross, our place of crisis, uh, will we choose to take repentance? I, I think there's an inextricable relationship between repentance and the cross is what I'm trying to get at. And can, do you get that or am I just filming well, that Well, the
0: cross up? is our message. And a cost, it's a costly message. Okay, to take up our cross is to believe in and identify with Jesus and his cross being willing to confess him before man the Roman Catholic Church taught that cross bearing was uh, self inflicted suffering okay in other words the more pain and misery we have that's what it means to bear the cross but the cross is linked to the gospel in the New Testament but it's costly to be committed to the gospel. Yes.
1: Well, I just <clears throat> wanted to encourage um, those that may have not heard John MacArthur's sermon. We will not bow. Um, highly recommend that. I've heard it about four or five times, and it talks about the days we're living in and how persecution is going to only increase. And what you said earlier about it's the gospel. That's that's what it's all about. And he he lets people know what's what he believes is coming through what's been been happening in our nation exactly, and that we are stand even to the point of death uh, for the gospel message. We will not bow. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Uh, and yeah, you, Go ahead. If you go, if you, if you go, if you call Grace to you, I think they're still giving away the two CDs they get for free. So you just call them. I I don't know if that's still going on, but well, we received two copies and we're we're going to yes, website I, too of course you can You
0: know what I noticed that as well you may notice in my preaching I keep rebuking the earth goddess yeah. that is the religion of America the earth goddess and people are so committed to that you see it in the practices the yoga the meditation In the The absurd environmental laws that they make, saying it's a sin to burn hydrocarbons, which is commanded by God in the Old Testament, to burn an offering. And we cannot let the pagan world define for us what is or is not sin. Global warming is a religion. It's not science, it's religion. I wrote an article about that. And when we preach repentance, we're joining with the apostles and we're preaching the message that says, turn from vain idols to serve the living God. We need to identify the idols of the day. And there's no idol more universally worshipped than the earth goddess and paganism. A lot of these issues that come up are because the earth goddess has no morals. If you look at the practices of pagans in history that worship the creature rather than the creator... They're exactly what we see today. So we're preaching repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And I'm willing to say that if you're not willing to turn away from the earth goddess and the creature and serve the creator who's blessed forever, you cannot be saved. So I preach, turn from mother earth, and come to father God. But the pagans hate the idea of fatherhood. They, they, oh, you should see all the literature. They claim that Christians serve a male God who's a fire God in heaven who rains down wrath. And they say they worship a warm, fuzzy earth goddess who's no threat to anybody. Now, this is all whitewashing and rewriting history. If you look at the goddess Kali in India, her necklace is made out of human skulls. People die. When people worship the creature rather than the creator, millions of people die. And they always have. And so don't think that
4: this is
0: benevolent, it's not. Humans will die, yes.
4: Just a a quick comment on, you know, the recent uproar of the killing of Cecil the lion. And yet, I won't go into detail because we have young children here, but, you know, babies are aborted in horrific ways every day, and and that's legal in our land. Yeah,
0: exactly. Humans (laughs) die. Uh, Can I quote your wife, Mike? His wife, she's from Laos right Not from Cambodia. Cambodia she's from Cambodia so she saw all of the killing of that the communists inflicted and Mike said she says Americans know bad but they don't know evil is that right Yeah. they haven't actually seen evil yeah Pol Pot millions of people died millions Right, and so pagan religion has no respect for human life because there's no belief that humans are created in God's image and that humans are unique and that they're important. They do not believe Genesis 1. They hate Genesis 1 because they claim that gives us license to abuse the environment. If you've ever heard or read Vishal Mangalwadi, I recommend him. He's a Christian intellectual from India. And he points out that pagan deities that he grew up around in India have no respect for the environment. The whole thing's a big lie. The environment in India, according to Vishal, is utterly trashed. One thing I've heard from travelers to India, that when you get there, everything stinks. It's foul, it's putrid, and environmental degradation is everywhere. Yeah, rats and all this nasty stuff. So pagan religion doesn't help the environment. Don't believe the lies. Now, when Christian missionaries first came To India, one of the first things they did was start standing for protecting the environment. Don't believe the lie. Christianity gives us a biblical worldview that will result in a better environment. We believe in rationality and in science. And we can clean up the environment. So don't believe it. My dear friends, worship God and preach the gospel and don't be intimidated. We are not obligated to believe the lies of the pagan culture. The earth goddess is a myth. We are to take dominion and to be stewards Let's look at 1 Peter 5 9 at least we have 15 minutes 1 Peter 2 9 this is important reformation doctrine that I want us not to lose sight of priesthood of every believer but you are a chosen race a royal priesthood a holy nation a people for God's own possession so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who's called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Martin Luther, at the time of the Reformation, stood against the Roman Catholic priesthood. In no uncertain terms, he rebuked them for being false in every way you can be false. And he taught instead the priesthood of every believer. This verse being prime proof. And so we're going to go through this week and next what Luther said. One of the finest documents, and I read a lot of Luther, is this one I found on this issue. Let me introduce it. The Bohemians contacted Luther because they were concerned. Because they were leaving Rome, but felt like without Rome, they'd have no priesthood. And if they didn't have priests, how are they going to have church? Because in Rome, the priests are everything, they mediate between God and man. So, what Luther's going to do, and you, dear beloved saints, are going to be the beneficiaries is identify seven functions of priests. And he's going to prove that every one of them applies to all Christians. And he's going to claim that if the Roman Catholic priests weren't priests before they were ordained to be priests, they weren't Christians. If they were Christians, they were already priests. If they're not Christians, they cannot be priests. And therefore, they were not Christians. They're not valid priests. They're your super usurpers, and they're false, and they're claiming for themselves what God has given to the entire church. Now, don't underestimate the profundity of this. This. Doctrine, I think, gets neglected. I think when people study the Reformation, they miss the key points. This one is important. Now, as we go through the seven functions of priests that apply to every believer, we're going to look up every scripture that Luther uses. Because we're going back to scripture, scripture alone. And we're going to see If these seven functions are given to the entire church. So the first verse we look at is this one. You, the church, are a royal priesthood. And Luther, as we will see, takes the preaching of the word to be the most important function of priests. And so he takes 1 Peter 2, 9... And uses this last part of it so that you may proclaim and the word there means to speak out the message the excellencies of him has called you out of darkness into his light this is our role this dovetails with what we've been learning in acts we are here to preach the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness and we're kings and priests of god every one of us and we could all do this and we all must do this and we must stand firm in the priesthood of every believer my friends think about it i talked about the earth goddess the paganism of our society when people go to rome they get pageantry pomp somebody saying a bunch of things up there swinging the incense around and doing something oh that's cool we don't have to think we can turn our brains off we don't have to preach the gospel we don't have to come to christ we don't have to repent we just go and do what these priests tell us to do and you wait until you see what luther had to say about that We need to stand on scripture alone, the authority of scripture and the priesthood of every believer. Let's go to the first or second slide. This is Luther on the New Testament priesthood. And we'll look up verses. For a priest, especially in the New Testament, was not made, but was born. He was created, not ordained. He was born not indeed of flesh, but through this, a birth of, of the spirit, by water and spirit in the washing of regeneration. Indeed, all Christians are priests and all priests are Christians. What else do they accomplish than a denial that Christ is a priest among his Christians? Talking about Rome for in carrying on their hateful office, they make no one a priest until he denies that he was a priest before. See the absurdity of it? You have to be unsaved to be a priest in the Catholic Church. Why? Because if you were saved, you're already a priest. You can't make a priest a priest. Luther says they're born, not made or ordained. They're born. How? They're born from above. Unless you are born again, shall not see the kingdom of God. Dan. I, um,
3: I just think it's, I know you know, probably everyone here knows this, but Luther was a priest, obviously. He, came, uh, he was a priest, and then I just think of the, the contrast that he must have underwent when he went from you know when he when he was saved that this changed his life totally. He lost basically his job and everything. And then I think exactly. of Paul also. Paul, his conversion was so just like that, where exactly. he went from being a Pharisee and having a probably a good job or whatever, and then he, you know, that's what the the Spirit of God can do. It just changes you totally Amen. and completely. And see,
0: when whenever that happens, and a person is born from above. They become a priest, whether they're, and Luther will deal with this later, whether they're a man or a woman. The priesthood of every believer includes men and women. And Luther talks about that. And so he's saying to these Bohemians who are asking if you know Christ through the gospel, every one of you is already a priest. Right now, And you already, as a priest, have jobs. And we'll see seven of them. Get my number right. Seven I'm holding up here. And the most important one is to show forth the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. That is the role of every one of us as kings and priests to God. Now let's look up the passages, Brian, John 3, 5 through 8, and Dan, why don't you do Titus 3, 5, and 6? John 3, 5 through 8. We're going to look up every verse that Luther references, because we aren't really Lutheran. We go back to scripture alone, which is what he taught. But we're going to go back to scripture and see if this be true. John 3, 5 through 8.
2: Jesus answered... Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is Spirit. Do not be amazed that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but do not know where it comes from and where it is going. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit.
0: Hallelujah. My friends, that's why we preach the gospel the gospel will resonate with everyone who's born of the Spirit. How did that happen? Well, the wind blows where it blows and goes where it goes. But if you are born from above and you hear the gospel, you will rejoice. Amen. I do. I am. And when I hear it in unexpected places, I get excited. Wow, the gospel praise god always you can count on that i heard this all the way back in bible college in the early 70s this old preacher they used to bring every once in a while they let some old preacher in the chapel and they'd fire us up and and this preacher made it real easy he said if you put the husks out the hogs will come if you put out the spiritual food the sons of God will come. The sons and daughters will come. See, hogs eat different food than the born-again Christian. They eat slop and hogs will eat all kinds of stuff. I grew up with a hog farm. Things you don't even want to know about. I'm not going to tell you. But that old preacher was right. If you put out the spiritual food the pure word of God, the Christians will come and will not only love to hear it, they'll grow. They'll be equipped. They'll be motivated to speak forth the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his glorious light. It'll happen everywhere that you go. Nobody will be able to take the gospel away from you, no matter how much threatening they do. Okay, Dan, Titus 3, 5.
3: Okay, Titus 3, 5 and 6. He saved us, not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior.
0: Amen. Now, those are the proof texts that the washing of regeneration is what qualifies us to be priests to God. Do you believe that? Did you know that you're a priest? Hallelujah. You're far more equipped to be a priest than the ones who are actually doing it under certain auspices. They don't even know, for the most part, they don't know Christ. When people like Richard Bennett come to Christ, all of a sudden they're no longer wanted in the Catholic Church. I recommend him. Go ahead.
2: Hey, uh, Bob, that 1 Peter 2 nine. that's also uh, twice there. It would be good support for the doctrine of election.
0: Well, yeah, if you're, you're called out of darkness... Inner call. Got a minute here. Let's look at this one. Now Luther is proving, this is slide number three, that Christians are priests. Furthermore, says Luther, I shall also prove this conclusion to be trustworthy. Christ is a priest. Therefore, Christians are priests. And it's actually verse 22. Psalm 22, 22 says... I will tell of of thy name to my brethren. Again, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness above your fellows. That should be Psalm 45, 7. So Luther says that we are his brethren is true only because of the new birth. Wherefore, we are priests. Priest says he is a priest. Sons. As he is a son, kings as he is a king, for he makes us to sit with him in heavenly places, as companions and co-heirs with, with him, in whom and with whom all things are given to us. Now think about this. Put your mind back into that era of history. For centuries and centuries. The Roman church held a monopoly over the minds of people. And they said, our priesthood is the only priesthood. You're just a come and do what we say. Can you imagine in that world, this statement of Luther coming to bear? Utterly revolutionary. Utterly revolutionary. We'll look up these verses next week and we'll see what the seven functions of priests are and will be shown that each one of us fits the description okay let me pray and then scott heavenly father thank you that you gave the apostles the boldness to preach the gospel even when they were told not to Thank you that you made us priests and kings unto you through the new birth. May we have the boldness ourselves to preach and proclaim your excellencies and the fact that you called us out of darkness into your light. Give us confidence and boldness to do that. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.